Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is December 6, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are reading page XXIII, starting with the first paragraph. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Cynthia B., 12 Traditions, Susie K., our readers of the text, Kim G., Katie G., Sharon R.S., and Margaret K. The reference number for yesterday, December 5th, 2013, is 5581. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cynthia B. to read the 12 steps. Cynthia, press star one to unmute. Yes, this is Cynthia B., a compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you, Cynthia. I will now ask Susie Kay to read the 12 traditions. Hi, Susie Kay from Maine, a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Susie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be linked directly to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXIII. Paragraph 1. I will ask, well, actually 1 and 2. I will ask Kim G. to begin reading. Thank you, Melanie. Forward to the fourth edition. This fourth edition of Alcoholics Anonymous came off the press in November 2001. At the start of a new millennium, since the third edition was published in 1976, worldwide membership of AA has just about doubled to an estimated 2 million or more with nearly 100,800 groups meeting in approximately 150 countries around the world. Literature has played a major role in AA's growth, and a striking phenomenon of the past quarter century has been the explosion of translations of our basic literature into many languages and dialects. In country after country, where the AA seed has planted, 
It has taken root slowly at first, then growing by leaps and bounds when the literature has become available. Currently, Alcoholics Anonymous has been translated into 43 languages. And I have an asterisk too. It says in 2011, Alcoholics Anonymous is in 61 languages. Um, good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And this is just incredible. You know, I, I came into the program with the third edition and was very nervous when that fourth edition came out because the only thing I looked at was the back of the book. And my stories were changed. You know, some of them were taken out. There were new ones put in. Some of the titles of my favorite stories were changed. But the fourth edition, they still did not change the instruction. And it says here, literature played a major role in AA's growth, where the AA seed was planted and has taken root slowly at first, then growing by leaps and bounds when literature has become available. And I think to myself of that childhood game, telephone, you know, when you would whisper something in your friend's ear and then they would whisper it to the next ear and then you would whisper it down the lane. And then by the time it's the end, you have the first person say what they said and the last person say what they said, and you would all giggle because it was so different. You know, word of mouth gets distorted by whoever's perception it is. So as this message was being carried by word of mouth, it, the seed took, it grew slowly. When did it grow by leaps and bounds? When the literature became available. Because the literature has stayed consistent. The message has stayed consistent for 78 years. So that's the beauty of this program. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. All I need to do as someone who wants to recover is to go through this book so that I can have my own spiritual experience. And then I, in turn, help others go through the work. All I need to do is start them at the doctor's opinion and move through the book and guide them through there. I don't need to, to, to be this overlord and tell them what to do. I just simply guide them through the material. You know, the more opinion there is in a meeting, I find the more watered down a meeting is. The more literature-based a meeting, the more recovery I see, the more eyes I see open, the more hearts I see open, the more, more uh, experiences I see where people are getting this wonderful gift of recovery, because you see the growth over these four editions. You know, in the beginning, in 1935, after Bill got sober, it took him six months, or 34, six months before he found Dr. Bob and he got sober. And then it took him 18 months when they had five people. And then once in 1939, when they had 100 men and women after four years, and the book was published, you saw exponentially the growth got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point in 1976 in the third edition to the fourth edition, the membership has doubled. The literature is so important. The clear-cut directions are so important. The, the literature which shows people precisely how we have recovered is important. And although the membership has expanded, which is why the book in the back with the stories has expanded to include women and different um, ethnic backgrounds and religious backgrounds, and now we not just see references to World War I, we're seeing people with cell phones 
on people with modern technology in the back of the book to get us to identify in. It's all there to get us to go to the front of the book to do the instructions which have not needed to change in 78 years. What a gift. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Katie from Boston. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater. Absence over by the grace of God. Thank you. Friday morning. Happy Friday. Thank you, Kim, um, for your wonderful share, too, and um, literature. Yeah, I um, literature has been phenomenal, and I just want to talk a little bit about some words that come to mind when I think about literature. So one of the first words, one of the first assignments that I had in um, completing the steps uh, as they're laid out with a recovered um, actually, I was working with a recovered alcoholic, but I was working with steps, was to look up words that seemed important, right? And one of the first words that I looked up when I was looking up, when I was reading this um, amazing piece of literature is vital. And, um, you know, the word vital is used throughout the first um, 164 pages. And what does it mean? Life-giving. Um, and that's, to me, what, what this is talking about, is that this literature is giving life. It certainly gave me back a life, a selfish, self-centered, dishonest and fearful, compulsive overeater who was living her life based on me. I got my life back as the result of following the directions, working the steps with a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and I love that it talks about there's been an explosion. And what is an explosion? It's a shattering, a blowing apart, a sudden increase. So there's been this sudden increase in translations. Why? Because this text, this basic text, conveys depth and weight. When I was living in abstinence, and that was very important for me to get very black and white about what was abstinent and what was not abstinent, but I was living in a state of insanity because I didn't follow any, any guidance um, of working the steps. And so there's been a, a blowing apart, and, and I, I want to liken this to even my own life. Not only is there a blowing apart of these translations of the book um, into many different dialects, but because it holds depth and weight, and because of the power of these words and the message and the directions, and working the steps with a recovered compulsive overeater, there was an explosion of me. And thank you, God, because I was built on faulty roots. I was built on how is Katie going to get what she wants, how is she going to ma manipulate her life, and when, when life didn't go my way, food was the only solution I ever knew. And I love that it talks about a seed taking root, um, Root means attaching to the ground, conveying water and nourishment to the rest of the plant via the branch and fibers. These basic um, instructions are provide me nourishment. What do I do? I realize who I am. What is my basic makeup? I identify in as a recovered as a, as a compulsive overeater. I look at my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my dishonesty, and my fear. Every time I'm agitated, that's how I understand. It's a spiritual axiom. There's something wrong with me. And then I help others, right? I make amends. I, I, I make amends for where I've done harm, and I help others. That is water 
and nourishment to me. What's cutting off that hose? Me, my selfishness, my self-centeredness. And it's no wonder that these directions, the translation of these directions into other languages and dialects offered other compulsive overeaters the opportunity, just like me, to identify in and have an explosion of our personality which, so that we can overcome a day at a time this illness. So what a privilege. And, um, you know, of course, this root is a foreshadowing into um, root and branches that Bill talks about in his story in a beautiful manner. And I am just so grateful to have the water and nourishment of this program provided by the language in this text. And, you know, I'm grateful too, more specifically, for recovered women who have walked me through. Um, because I thought that reading the stories and reading the book was going to be enough. What I didn't realize is that I needed directions. I needed to be led. And I am so grateful for that opportunity and privilege. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Anyone it's else like to Leia. comment on what was read? Oh, good morning, Leah. Hey, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, just on this statement here, uh, literature has played a major role in AA's growth. Um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but, um, you know, when OA literature came on the scene, it's been studied that um, since that point in the 80s, actually the um, membership numbers have decreased so uh aa did not oa did not continue to grow um once literature came on the scene in fact um it has um lessened um and perhaps that's because uh you know the literature is quite confusing um the literature does not give over a clear message of what the goal and the aim and the objective is. I mean, when we crack open this big book, it is clear from the get-go um, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. The text does not shy away from that language. There is a goal. It is to be recovered, uh, recovered, um, is the result of a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And the word recovery actually is only used once in the first 164 pages, and that is to refer to someone who's in process. You know, so um, there is a clear message here. It's concentrated. It's focused. Um, you know, the OA 12 and 12 suggests that it would be best if abstinent while implementing these steps, but not absolutely necessary. Now, if you're familiar with the literature that uh, we study every day, the AA, uh, the big book, um, of course, it's very clear from the first introductory pages, the doctor's opinion, that it's imperative that we separate from our binge foods um, before embarking on this spiritual journey. How confusing it is 
uh, in, in other types of literature where that message is not clearly stated. How can I bring forth uh, thoroughness and honesty and open-mindedness if I'm still uh, seeking oblivion in a cellophane bag in a bakery box? How can I serve a new master, a higher power of my understanding, if I'm still bowing to the master of addiction? How can I be available spiritually um, for the work ahead of me if I'm anesthetized by my binge foods? So when it states here literature has played a major role in AA's group, growth, that is because there was a precise, specific path that when followed will lead one to a very precise and specific goal and objective and aim, and that is recovered. And the dignity of this process is that we each get to have that spiritual experience or spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. It said in country after country where the AA seed was planted, it has taken root. You know, in order to take root, a seed has to be viable. There has to be life in that seed. To go into an OA meeting and not find anyone who has had this experience, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. If I put a seed in the soil that has no life, that is dried up like dust, it's not going to take root. It's not going to grow. It's not going to flourish. It's not going to blossom. It's not going to bear fruit. You know, the program of recovery that we study every day, the AA uh, Big Book here, that was able to take root, grow, flourish, bear fruit, create a beautiful tree of life that spread no boundaries. In fact, this um, book that we read every day, you know, was, was chosen by the Library of Congress to be one of the uh, 88 books that have had the most profound effect on society um, in, in the 20th century. So no wonder we stay close to the source, close to the trunk of the tree, so that when we share, we're not sharing personal opinion or philosophy. We're coming from the precise directions. And again, if it worked in 1939 for all these men and women who were written off as hopeless um, and their lives were, they were reborn, their lives were rehabilitated, renewed, and reordered. And, and there are those of us on the line that are living proof also of this uh, fact that our lives have been revolutionized by this process and by a relationship with God. Then please let that give hope to every newcomer on the line that it is possible for you as well. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Hi, Elaine. Hi. And Janice. Elaine and then Janice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. This is Elaine, a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And um, I recall first coming into the rooms and being able to see like night and day the difference between people who had uh, practiced these steps and were living by the steps and the people who hadn't. And the people who had, that's, that's 
what attracted me. That's what I wanted. It became clear to me through their example that there was something different, that there was something worth coming back for. And so I kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And it was when I picked up this book and started reading. And a lot of people talk about switching alcoholic to compulsive overeater. That wasn't necessary for me at all because I identified in. When I was reading these books, when I was told, I remember the day I was told to look up the word allergy and uh, realize that it's just an uncommon reaction and that I have an uncommon reaction to food. I have an uncommon reaction to a bowl of M&M's. They can sit on somebody's, you know, coffee table for, for weeks and months, and for me, they can't even make it minutes. I did not respond like other people did. And um, the clear-cut path that's laid out in this book, um, I'm so grateful for a vision for you because they talk about, uh, you know, doing it just this way. I know there's other ways out there. I've heard many people in the room talk about doing, you know, AWOLs. I've tried some different forms, but um, did not achieve a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery until I did it step-by-step step, uh, through this process, um, uh, the way it's laid out in the book. But the thing that I think is so fascinating about this material is if it were just for me as a selfish person, um, you know, and I got that recovery that I saw in other people, um, then, oh, yeah, I'd be happy. But you know what? It wouldn't be long before I'd be right back out there. I know that that's true. I know that the fact that it talks about working with others and it doesn't only talk, say that you have to do that in order to maintain your recovery. Um, it, it tells you how. It tells you just what to do. You can refer back to this book. I, every single phone call I have with a sponsee, or I just keep it handy. I keep it handy all the time because everything's in there. The answers are in there. And um, I, I really, I'm so grateful to be in this day and age where we have cell phones we can get on meetings. We have computers we can listen to, uh, you know, special meetings on A Vision for You. We have uh, CDs and tapes that we can listen to um, from people who've gone before and are sharing their experience, strength, and hope and understanding of how to process these steps. Um, the other thing that I see, and it talked about in the, an earlier preface, that the reason why this is taken off is not just because we saw lives that have been absolutely destroyed and devastated come back, and these people become meaningful, contributing members of society, but families have been reconciled. And so this also talks about the family afterwards. It talks about how to get through the real day-to-day -day life, not just uh, facing life on life's terms as an individual, not just helping somebody else who uh, needs help to get through this process, but how to bring it home and how to bring it into the workplace. And I'm so incredibly grateful for how thorough this book is and for um, the promises that they, that they bring that are coming true, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they always happen. If we if we work um, on them, so uh, thanks again for everybody's service and for vision for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Janice M. Yes, thank you, Melanie. This is Janice M. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know these first two paragraphs. Um, you know um, the growth. There's growth due to what? Well, we know it's literature. That's how it started because the message was written. Now literature is written is is mentioned four times in that second paragraph 
And as the, it's a major role, as it was explained beautifully in the growth, but I'm looking at that word striking phenomenon. Now, we know Bill and Bob wrote, you know, we're co-founders. So what is the phenomenon behind this book? Well, what is a phenomenon? A phenomenon is an unexplained occurrence. And to me, there has to be somebody before Bill and Bob. That's why they're co-founders. And I do believe in my heart that it was divinely intervened through a higher power. That's why it's so awesome. And um, it's just like the phenomenon of craving that we have. Well, how, how can you explain that? Nobody can really explain it. We can feel it. We, we can, you know, talk about it. But I can't explain that phenomenon. And I believe that is the, the, major, the, the master gardener behind this book, whom I call God, you know, planted the seed. And he gave it to the human beings because no human being could do this book. Uh, like it's like it's written and that's what i see that's so awesome about it that's why you know it's just so believable because it works and god gives the increase god increases no matter what it is he's the one behind this if we follow his directions the path of recovery with that i pass thanks thank you janice who else would like to comment on what was read This is Bob. Hi, good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I'd like to share. I'm a compulsive overeater from Westchester. Um, and one of the things that, uh, as I've been in this program 21 years, it's really become clearer to me, um, was commented on earlier, and that is in working the steps, one of the things the big book stresses uh, is that the, the only way to really work the steps is to work the steps with the guidance of a higher power. And uh, if I'm not abstinent, um, I am create a wall between myself and my higher power. And I don't hear the messages my higher power wants to give me. I hear the messages of my disease. And it became much clearer to me that uh, the importance of being abstinent in terms of working the steps um, is, is so important because if I work the steps without my higher power, uh, it's my ego that's working the steps, uh, and I need my higher power to work the steps to guide me through, and it's very clear in the big book that that's part of the instructions. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Bob. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move on? I would like to just um, comment because of my own experience. The focus seems to be on that uh, first sentence of the second paragraph. Literature has played a major role in my life. And it really has been a phenomenon as I identify in with that particular line because of what I see as the greater aspect of my disease, the piece that, that had me, and that is the obsession. And the way that I looked at life the decisions that I made based on that confusion and being intoxicated by the food that brought me all the trouble that I had that became my daily practice and behavior. And it is the literature 
and the guidance of a higher power and my fellows that untangled that, that restored me to sanity and continues to go deeper and deeper and deeper into into the realm of sanity, the realm of intuition. And I like to point out that somebody else mentioned here too, it's because the words are exactly, precisely the methodology, the roadmap that took the first 100 through, that those words on the page have not changed and followed precisely provides the same exact result of hope, promise, and freedom. And with that, I pass, and I would like to ask now for Katie G. to read the third paragraph, please. Sure, Melanie. Thanks. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. As the message of recovery has reached larger numbers of people, it has also touched the lives of a vastly greater variety of suffering alcoholics. When the phrase, we are people who, would nor- who normally would not mix, page 17 of this book, was written in 1939, it referred to a fellowship composed largely of men and a few women with quite similar social, ethnic, and economic backgrounds. Like so much of AA's basic text, these words have proved to be far more visionary than the founding members could have ever imagined. This, the stories added to this edition represent a membership who, whose characteristics of age, gender, race, and culture have widened and deepened to encompass virtually everyone the first 100 members could have hoped to reach. And um, what a blessing. I mean, uh, um, I love the line on page 17. For those of you who don't know it, it talks about we are um, people who would not normally mix, and it gives this image, right, of a shipwreck. Um, we're, we're all like passengers of a great liner, the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. And what I love about this image is that I can really wrap my head around it, right? Like you've got the captain, you've got this big ship, right? So you've got the captain, and then you've got passengers in first class, second class, third class. I don't know how many classes there are. I've never been on a big ship. Um, And then you have the stowaways and the people working in the kitchen and the people, you know, who didn't pay and, you know, everybody, different levels, social, economic, hairstyles, religions, culture, gender, sexuality, everything, right? We're on this big ship, and what happens? Well, there's a huge rock, boom, right? So we're all drowning. But it's not even that. We're being rescued. All of a sudden, there are helicopters and, you know, um, rescue ships all coming in, and everybody's got these big, big books, right? And they're all saying to us, we are going to save you. The feeling of having shared in a common peril, right? Like the first OA meeting I went to, I felt like I was home. No, did it carry a perfect message? Absolutely not. But I felt like I was home because for the first time, people were talking about the pain that I so frequently experienced with food, about what it was like to live thinking that food was my only solution. And then, you know, as I continued on to hear our message of death and weight was number one, like how to be abstinent from food. I had no idea. I'm a low-bottom, you know, addict when it comes to food. I did everything with food, and I needed to know how to handle 
the food. And then, and then when I put down the food, what do you do after that? Because, you know, I have all this disease. I'm totally, I'm like, you know, you stripped all my skin off and we're playing bumper cars. Because all I know how to do is live life based on self. And this book gives me a map. And, and there are all of these other people. And the amazing thing is, like, I mean, I, I, some of my best friends are people, look, like, I, I grew up, I'm a, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I didn't know before coming into program what um, the basic tenets of, of different sects of Orthodox Judaism and different religions that I've been exposed to. And because of this book, like, you know, people who I normally would walk right past on the, um, on the street are my closest friends. Why? Because they're great people? No. Yeah, they are great people, but because they've been where I've been and they have a solution and they're working it. They're not calling me and dumping all their problems on me. They're not calling me anymore and saying, oh, I'm sort of abstinent. I'm using food to solve this, to solve that. They are focused on the solution, right? Like why did I and why do I continue to pursue 10, 11, and 12? Because I hear a truth. And even though the truth is not always easy to hear, I can, it's what I want, right? Like, I don't want to live my life on lives. I've been given the opportunity to live two lives in one lifetime, and I don't want to waste a single minute of it lying to myself about how things should be or about who I am. You know, and this message of depth and weight has crossed all lines of age, gender, race, culture. Because you know what? I went all the way to Malawi, Africa to get rid of this disease. And you know what? It's still inside me. It doesn't care where I am. It doesn't care who I am. It's going to bring me down if I don't follow the steps and stay abstinent. And um, what a privilege it is to be in that place today of abstinence and recovery and to have a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella. Yes. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I like this paragraph, and especially the first sentence, as the message of recovery. It's a sentence of hope. Yes, of hope. What is the hope? Recovery. Yes, we see here recovery. We see here that the, that we can uh, be not healed, but we can deal with our disease. There is a hope. Now, how this is my goal. I, it's, it's a goal that I can reach it. And how I know that I can reach it? Because it's a message, a growing message. It started with a few people, and now it's so many people all over the world. It doesn't matter uh, the social, the, the, the religion, the, the age, nothing. It's a message that grows. And this is the, uh, the strength the strength that we can reach the, the recovery, we can reach the hope. It's, we just have to, to show to God that we have a willpower. God cannot do our job. It's our job. And this is the journey that every single person will go through. But 
it's, 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 a, it's an achievement that we can reach it. There is a hope. And if I showed my willpower to listen to the message, to understand the tools, to do the tools, God is here for me. God is here to help me. My, my responsibility is not uh, the outcome, the outcomes of this program. This, I, I, I give it over to God. I trust God. And God trusts me too. I just have to show my willpower. And when I show my willpower, yes, I have a hope. There is a recovery. This is a message that grows. Yes, people show me that there is a hope. It just, I just have to want to reach it. If I want, if I have the willpower, God is here. God wants it too. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Crystal? Oh, hi, Crystal. Good morning. Good morning. This is Crystal, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Like so much of AA's basic text, these words have proved to be far more visionary than the founding members could ever have imagined. This is our, the big book is our basic text. And I study a basic text from the beginning. I don't just open it willy-nilly anywhere and start reading and studying. That's silly. I won't understand the entire context if I don't start at the beginning. So I open it, and I start from the front, and I don't change anything about the big book. It is complete as it is written. It doesn't need me to come along and um, change anything about it. And those words have proved to be far more visionary than the founding members could have ever imagined. And even they were amazed in later years, how right this big book was. And I believe that's because there is a God who is at work in this book and through this book. And when I take these steps as they are laid out in the big book, I will be connected to a power greater than myself, which has restored me to sanity regarding alcohol, regarding my alcoholic food ingredients. I pass. Thank you, Crystal. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Katie. Hi, good morning, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive reader in Virginia. Um, and, you know, we have talked about this, but we are people who normally would not mix. And, you know, we don't even get to mix. I mean, we don't even get to see each other, and yet there's uh, so much recovery that is happening as a result of um, this phone line, this Vision for You meeting with people from all over the world and all over the country in every city and every, you know, nook and cranny. And I'm in a nook and cranny. I'm in rural Virginia where I can't even see my closest neighbor. And that used to be a fearful thing to me, that if I ever lived in isolation like this, that, you know, I would 
draw the drapes and binge my brains out. And I don't have to do that today because this big book has been brought to life for me. You know, we're not on this phone line just gabbing about, you know, the weather and what we're going to buy our kids for Christmas. We're talking about a message of depth and weight and a way to recover. You know, when people call me and they ask me how I've stayed abstinent since October 7, 1987, I point them directly to God and to this book that half measures availed me nothing. You know, that when I worked this program um, my way, it didn't work. And when I started following the directions in this book, it did work. You know, and so if it can work for me, it can work for you. In any situation, in any um, any place you live, any any situation on that there is, you can still recover because that's been my experience, even against all odds, mainly my sick head, um, I've been able to stay recovered. And if I was worried about the fact that you're not people that I would normally mix with, that I never would have recovered. You know, I can picture, you know, the people in my in my home group now, in my live meeting, and also just over the decades that I've been around. There are just such a wide variety of people, but we don't look at that. We look at the heart. We look at the uh, the shattered lives, and we try to help them put them back together, and we look at the one who is recovered, and even if they, you know, don't have the same uh, background as we do, it doesn't matter. We are just there to give each other a hand to keep moving forward. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move on? Okay, would Sharon R.S. please then read the last paragraph on page XXIV. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. Good morning to all. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. While our literature has preserved the integrity of the AA message, sweeping changes in society as a whole are reflected in new customs and practices within the fellowship. Taking advantage of technological advances, for example, AA members with computers can participate in meetings online, sharing fellow alcoholics, sharing with fellow alcoholics across the country or around the world. Fundamentally, though, the difference between an electronic meeting and the home group around the corner is only one of format. In any meeting, anywhere, AAs share experience, strength, and hope with each other in order to stay sober and help other alcoholics. Modem to modem or face to face, AAs speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. And some lovely things written here. What I, Some things that stand out are right in that first sentence. Our literature has preserved the integrity of the AA message. It's maintained the the 
recovery program. It's maintained it. It's kept it unchanged. In spite of all the sweeping changes that have gone on around us, this literature keeps the message locked, locked down for us in these 164 pages of the big book. We have the program of recovery, unchanged, untainted, preserved, just as it was those many, many years ago when Bill and Bob got recovered. And that same power is locked into these pages through these words for anyone to read and study and get recovered. And I'm very grateful for that. The other thing that we find is that that I see in this paragraph that I'd like to point out is that when we meet in our meetings, we share experience, strength, and hope. Not just any experience, not just any strength, not just any hope, but the hope, the experience, strength, and hope that we have garnered by working through these 164 pages. This is our program of recovery. This is our experience, our strength, our hope comes through what we have discovered as we have walked this path through of recovery. And the other word the other phrase, if we look here in, in that sentence, in any meeting, anywhere, AAs share experience, strength, and hope with each other in order to stay sober and help other alcoholics. So we come together. We preserve the integrity of this recovery program by sticking with the message of hope, the experience and hope that we've received in reading these pages. We don't go and grab things from outside, and that's why it's so beautiful that in our meetings we we stick with the literature of the meeting. We don't bring in literature from outside, and neither do we bring in messages from outside. What we have to give is what we have received, and what we have received is the recovery outlined in the 164 pages of this big book that we have studied, that we are studying. And it's fascinating to me that we can study it over and over and over again. And each time we go through it, we learn more. And for me, each time I go through it, I grow and I change. And I, I'm, the book doesn't change. I change. I grow in, in, my, I get more healing. I get, uh, I grow deeper. I grow taller. I grow better able to give what I have received. The message just grows within me, but the message doesn't change. I change. I'm the one that gets changed. And then I share what I have received in studying these pages of the big book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Hello, Bella. I'm Gia. Hello, I'd and like would... 
Yeah. Okay, Bella first, and then the next person is. So we'll start with Bella, and then we'll get the next person. I didn't catch the name. Go ahead, Bella. Thank you, Melanie. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overreader. Thank you, Melanie, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love the last sentence. AA speak the language of the heart, and this is the explanation uh, of the the other paragraph. How can it be that this uh, that this fellowship, the the AA, is growing? How can it be? that we are all of, we are so many people so different. We live in different countries. We are different in everything. How can it be that we can be together and to share our experience, strength, and hope? Because we speak the same language. We speak the language of the heart. And what does it mean, the language of the heart? You know, the physical body God gave us, we are all different, we look different, we express, we, we, we behave different, we, we look different, because this is our physical body, but the spiritual, the spiritual language, our inside, this is the heart, this is God's language, and with the heart language, with the inside language, we are all the same. We are all the same, and this is the heart language, and we all understand the heart language. We understand what means to love ourselves and to love others. We know what it means to understand myself and to understand others. It, 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 we all understand what means to accept myself the way I am, and to accept others. This is the inside language. And this is when we let God enter into our life. We speak the God's language that we all understand. And this is the heart language with love and care and support. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And we are... um we are out of time, but I'd like to extend a couple of minutes, a short share to the last person that would like to share. I didn't catch your name. Yeah, my name is Devorah Leah, and I can just tell you that I have two very, very, very fat friends. They're very obese, and they either don't uh, want to get abstinent or they only want to be abstinent a short time and go back to the binge foods, or they don't even believe in following the big book. And uh, there's nothing I can say to them. I, I can't do anything. One of them is over 400, and the other one is probably uh, close in line. And uh, the, 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 the woman called me last night and told me, well, she used to be on a diet where once a week she could eat whatever she wanted. And she was telling me how she's going to eat whatever she wants. You know, I didn't even answer the woman because she's a big fighter. And she'll start a big, big, big ruckus with me. So I just let her share. That's what she wants to do. Let her do it. I can't do anything about it. If I tell her, you're really allergic to that, you really can't eat that, she's going to get very offended by it. Meanwhile, she's in a wheelchair, very, very overweight. And uh, the two of them, the man and the woman, the two big, heavy people, 
They told me they don't believe in the big book. So uh, there's nothing I can do. And uh, I myself used to give the big book away. I used to give it to alcoholics in the street because I couldn't see what it had to do with me at all. So I understand how they feel. I can't say anything to them. So that's all I wanted to share, that not everybody likes the big book, not everybody believes in the big book, and not everybody wants to be abstinent. So that's the way it is. Okay, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Deborah Leah. And also our meeting is closing, and I'd like to thank you and everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Margaret Kay please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Kay, recovered in New Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. We would see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.